I am vengeance. I am the night. I am also a podcast. I am a podcast. 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 Oh! It's a show. It's a show. Audio only, though. What is it about? If you have time, I can tell you that it is a podcast about that many Batman podcasts. Uh, what did you want me to say in this part? It's a show! Yeah. Yeah! <laughs> I am a podcast. Whoa! Hey! Interviews with fans and people, people who Hey guys, it's time for another Batman the Animated Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Michael, and you're listening to an audio variety show for your ears about the legendary 1990s cartoon, Batman the Animated Series. Today's sponsor, Creepy Talking Goats. They're just like regular goats, but they talk. And it's creepy. On today's episode, I'll continue chatting with veteran pulp writer Joe R. Lansdale about his contributions to Batman the Animated Series and the new Batman Adventures. Last episode, we focused on the loved episode Read My Lips, and this time we'll focus on the divisive and generally disliked Critters. Does it deserve the hate? I don't think so, but let's dive in. Today's episode, Critters. A microbiologist named Farmer Brown takes revenge on Gotham City for shutting down his growth project by unleashing his own genetically enhanced monstrous farm animals in a terrifying assault. Original air date, September 19th, 1998. Story by Steve Gerber, creator of Howard the Duck. Teleplay by Joe R. Lansdale. Directed by Dan Reba. Music by Shirley Walker with animation by Coco slash Dong Yang. Featuring Peter Breck as Farmer Brown and Dina Sherman as Emmy Lou. So, Critters, right? It's one of those Batman episodes that really seems to piss fans off. And I get it, it's not grounded in any way, shape, or form, but once you get past that, guys, it's Batman versus giant mutant praying mantises and chicken pterodactyls that fight a blimp, as well as a man with a genetically enhanced daughter who looks like he stepped out of American Gothic. What is not fun about that? Do you need every episode to be tortured and complex? It doesn't take itself seriously, and it's just a lot of pulpy fun. I mean, without Lansdale's dialogue, it might be just a bunch of weird action set pieces, but luckily, the writer gives everything a colorful personality, and Farmer Brown kind of becomes this memorable villain for a one-off character. Look, it may not be the best Batman episode, but I think it's fun as hell, and a nice departure after watching some of the heavier stuff. I don't have much else to say other than, if you hate it, I'm not going to change your mind, but if you go in with an open mind, I think you'll have a lot of fun. So, grab that electrified pitchfork and cozy up on the Whitland porch, because it's time to talk more about Farmer Brown. Today's guest, Joe R. Lansdale. Joe was an intermittent Batman writer and a pulp author whose books have appeared on screen in the form of films like Bubba Hotep or Sundance's recently debuted and positively reviewed, might I add, TV series Hap and Leonard. Joe dove into his love of comics and background in our last episode, so we dove straight into Critters this time around. If you haven't listened to the previous episode, I don't think you'll feel lost, but I think Joe's interview is really great and you should check it out. If you have listened, then you're all set. Let's go. It's 
so good for you to come back to Los Angeles. Thank you. I flew in just for this, and boy, are my arms tired. Yeah, uh, honestly, they they just both fell off on the yeah. ground. <laughs> uh, it's you're bleeding all over the ground right now. Uh, so I wanted to talk to you about Critters. Yeah. Which is, uh, we were just briefly talking about it off mic, how it's one of the most reviled episodes of the <laughs> yes. series. Yes. Uh, I have an affinity for it. My, my best friend and I used to watch the series together. Uh, now, you know, get to make things together, which is cool. And we both love this one. Yeah. Um, especially because it's like, it's it's so out there for a Batman story, <laughs> yeah. but also ha- you know it has such like a great great villain. It's also you know just like giant monsters. Yeah, who yeah. doesn't love that? It feels like thematically it's appropriate for now. It is. It is <laughs> genetic food modifications. Yeah. Well, you know it's 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 also H. G. Wells' Food of the Gods. Oh, okay. Have you ever read H. G. Wells? Never food read of it. God. Food of the Gods and 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 the. There's a film that was made later that bears some resemblance. I always say sub because not complete resemblance. Right. Margot Joyner, or I'm not sure I get his name right. He was a he was actually a evangelist child, and then at one point he you know it was just it was a, a scam, huh. and so he revealed it in a movie called Marjo. Really? Uh huh. Like it, real life? Yeah. And he they had hidden cameras, and he was showing how that they were claiming to heal people and how they duped crowds and how they were it showed people back in there counting the money from all of the suckers is how they saw it. interesting it's a very film it's a very fine film it's called Marjo uh, but uh, what he did was he just showed behind because he had grown up in this evangelistic you know background and had sure. been this child evangelist and had done all these you know things and at some point he just couldn't take it anymore because he was an atheist and uh, or became one because of all this and so he left and then at some point he came back as an adult to preach and to show these these other people doing this, you know, sort of thing. And uh, he revealed it with hidden cameras and stuff and how they would talk about the, you know, the audiences being suckers and fools and yeah. or that sort of thing. So, oh, and then people saw that in right. theaters and yeah. then... And that's, yeah, and then, and then later on he was in, a, a, I think he tried to do a film career after that, but he was in Food of the Gods. And I don't remember much about it. I remembered it didn't remind me of the book I read. Mm-hmm. But conceptually it's about... Uh, you know, being able to produce things to make more food, make it larger, which we do. You know, yeah. we already do that. And this was just an extrapolation in Critters of more of that. So where did the story come from? They had uh, the guy, oh man, I'm going to have a blank here. The guy that invented Howard the Duck mm-hmm. uh, came up with the idea. And I guess he had sketched it out. And they, and for whatever reason, he didn't write the script. I don't, I don't know why. But they thought, who else is as crazy as this guy? <laughs> and so they got me. And the director, too. I mean, we were, it's like, you know, they, they turned the uh, asylum uh, loose. And they just said, would y'all like to get out of Arkham for a day? <laughs> oh, yeah, that'd be great. And so we all got out of Arkham for a day and went to work on this particular story. And when I was doing it uh, at that time, Warner was changing the Batman, the animated series. In fact, this wasn't called Batman, the animated This was series. New Batman Adventures. New Batman Adventures. And the deal was is that it needed to be more for a younger crowd, and you had to have Robin in it, and Batgirl appears in it too. And I think, I can't speak for everybody else, but I went into it thinking, damn it, you know, we had this great show, and now they're wanting us to dumb it down, and children would like it, already like it, they already like what's doing, and, and so do the the adults, and you're making these classic things, and so I think there was a little bit of, you know, 
anger there, just a little bit that they're screwing up this show. And so I went in with this attitude, okay, let's do what they want, but let's make it fun. (laughs) You know, not not ruin it in any kind of way, but let's make it fun, but let's make it over the top and let's make it more like a kid show. But yet underneath it all, you've got this sort of subversive element, which uh, I wish I could think of the guy that that came up with it, the Howard the Duck guy. My, my brain's fried right you now. You can look it up. Yeah, I'm going to have to look it up. But he had the same thing. I think he has that same subversive view. I don't think either one of us look at things exactly the same way, you know. But, uh, but Did you collaborate at all? You never no, spoke to him? No, I never to spoke to him. But, but his, I don't think he believes there are any true heroes. I believe that there are sometimes heroes in uh, desperate situations uh-huh. they become heroes, you know. <laughs> Steve Gerber. Steve Gerber. Yes, that's go. who it is. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And so, and the director and all of us that were involved in that, I think we just kind of went crazy. And uh, I, you know, I'm when I wrote it, I, I think too that the the artist of uh, the animators, rather, when they did it, they they changed it a little bit more than I visualized it. And I was I did less directing style on this script. Uh, and so when the Praying Man shows up, he's just standing by the table. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> you know, type of thing. So it, it was fun, but it was different. Interesting. So the like it wasn't as much like giant monsters attacking uh, versus... It, it was that, but it just had a different feel, but it was certainly always a parody. And I did that because I had already done these other things, and I think that the, I thought the show, had when they changed I thought they were really dumbing it down. So I thought, let's just make it a parody. And let's bring back sort of the 60s Batman, but not completely. Yeah, yeah. it felt like campier, but also has some, it has a couple creepy oh, moments yeah, in it. That go, moments. that howdy, howdy, Yeah, yeah howdy. That, that to me is one of the creepiest damn things in, in the whole period series. Howdy, howdy. Good Lord. 50 million in unmarked bills. The docks tonight or the bugs come back for good. 50 million? It's kind of oh, this yeah. creepy kind of like shot looking down through the fan, very like noirish, yeah. and just the goat's eyes are already creepy. Yeah, they're right. intrinsically terrifying. <laughs> yeah, well, I think for a lot of people they couldn't make that jump, but I thought that that jump was really fun. I mean, they already went to ma- they hit Etrigan and magic and stuff yeah. in this version oh, of the series, yeah. and, so why and, not? And I wanted the whole idea too that I I saw it as a parody, but I also saw it as a commentary, a satire on the series, but also commentary on our uh, bigger is better, bigger is better, bigger is better, you know, mm-hmm. and so eventually we got bigger that wasn't better, <laughs> you know, and that's the giant cows, the, you know, the giant farm animals. And yeah, all like chickens stuff. that were kind of like yeah. pterodactyls. Yeah, I love much. that. I mean, also like nobody had attacked the blimp and that's, that reminded me of like an old Hammer film poster yeah, of like yeah. these pterodactyls attacking oh, yeah. a Zeppelin or that. something. I love that. Yeah, they had a little Edgar Rice burrows. In yes, there. it was great. I mean, even like them crashing into like a barbecue sauce. Right. And I loved his, uh, <laughs> the, the daughter for uh, Farmer Brown. Yes. You know, I forget what, she was kind of like a Daisy May. And she was genetically yeah. modified herself. Yeah, she was genetically modified herself. To be super strong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What was that thing that says, uh, you know, about, something, there was a line in there that I had a lot of fun with and I can't remember. It's like, uh, you know, check, check, your, check your feet for, check your boots, check your money, check your, you know. Yeah. You know, can't remember the exact line, but the idea was to make sure you haven't stepped in any barnyard <laughs> leavings. 
as well as check your money. But I think even you going like kind of wild with it, it still has yeah. that sense of dialogue, like yeah, that same like pattern that you I, brought I, to the other ones. I love this ser- this series, and yeah. I love this episode. It's not my favorite of the episodes, but it is is up there. And I think I think Bruce Tim got it. I think all of the I think everybody there got it. They knew what was going. Right, they did. And a we were all going. Oh, this is fun, <laughs> you know. And then the, I think the people who were looking for the more serious Batman. And I don't blame them. I mean, they had that. But the thing is, we were being forced to change it anyway. So um, I think that they didn't make that jump right away. Though a lot of people come up to me and said, I really hated that when I saw it. And I said, okay. But they said, I've I've seen it again, and I feel different about it. So now that I'm a little older, I can see all of the jokes and the parody and and the satire and stuff like that. So I think it was at the time probably just the shift from one show to the it. other. Like that was it. It's you know, that was probably the you know, one of the most drastic episodes right. in terms of tone. Right. So they're gonna pinpoint that. But then later when you have some distance, you're like, Oh, yeah. this is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, also it, who doesn't like a rocket silo with a bunch of Giant praying hey, mantises. I'm, in it. <laughs> I'm all for that. I'm all for that. A rocket silo. Just pack them in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how did, did you pick Harvey Bullock to be a part of the episode? No, no, no. They they gave uh, that one. They seemed to have given me a lot more of the characters and stuff, but they they really let me go in dialogue. They always let me go almost completely my dialogue. You mm. know, once in a while they might change something, but I, I you know, I, I think I have a knack for dialogue. I think that's one of my strengths and. Uh, I also, they I think they gave me Farmer Brown because I'm a country boy, and I felt like, and I I did that. I was a farmer. I I raised goats and hogs and all that stuff. So giant cows, giant cows, of course. course. <laughs> I, I kept I kept them in the back. Right. But uh, I'd done all that, so they thought I was a perfect pick. I think they picked me for Jonah Hex because I had done Jonah Hex, and I'm from Texas, and I've got the tone for that. I think that uh, the uh, ventriloquist story, read my lips, was. Also, I have a lot of I had a lot of noirish stories and things that I had written. You know, perhaps chance to dream. I, I don't know specifically, but but I always felt like they would tend to say, "Okay, whose wheelhouse is this in?" Right. And I got picked for those. You know, that's great. Uh, so My, Michael Reeves and I had one that we wanted to do, and I think it was with Paul. Was it with Paul Dini? I can't remember. <clears throat> but we had this one with all Batman and all of these traps, and it was this whole story about these these guys using gimmicks and traps to to capture or kill Batman and uh we did we did several we, we made a uh, uh what do you want to call it a synopsis and we made several visions we never could sell that and I still to this day think they were wrong I think Michael and I were right this really? would have made a good episode so it was just people trying to trap Batman and like a yeah I don't it. remember there was there were other elements but I just remember thinking wow this is great this is this is a natural it wasn't when we were both trying to create the story Line. Do you remember any other stories that you tried? Were there any others I, that you pitched? It's the only that, one I remember. Uh, I think Michael came to me and said, well, I got this one going, and I got some ideas. What do you think? And I gave him ideas, and then he had some. Said, Boy, this is great. This is just wonderful. No. <laughs> no, they didn't want to do it. Well, I mean, the other ones all happened. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was trying to remember if there were any others in the Batman series. I don't. I don't think so. And you did that. And we talked a little bit about this in the other episode, the the Bizarro episode. Yeah. The Identity well, you crisis. know, I, I wanted to create some stories of my own, but since I was writing novels and things like that, I generally they came to me and had this general thing. Say, hey, you know, can you do something with this? Sure. And that was best for me, really, at that time, because I didn't have that. That's why I had to pass on the Justice League Unlimited, because I didn't have the time to sit down and work up the tale. Is there anything that you'd want to do now? Like, if you were offered, like, what's the dream 
cartoon that you could make? You work oh. in so many other forms, but like, is there a character you'd want to tackle? Or well, you know, I Batman's my man. You know, I really like Batman, and and uh, you know, I love the I love the Flash. And of course, there's no there's not a cartoon Flash, but if there was, that would interest me. I like the Flash. I loved Green Lantern. I was a big Doom Patrol guy. I love the Doom Patrol. They're great. Yeah, yeah. I want to see. I mean, what I want, my dream is uh, this is the selfish dream of like wanting to create a Batman the Animated Series quality Doom Patrol series. Well, you know, when I read the Doom Patrol was in the '60s. Right. I love both versions. Yeah, I, I love do the too. I do too. The others is a little bit more. Uh, the Atomic Knights. Did you ever read that? No, I've only read. I've honestly, I, I mean, when you look Run. at them now, they're probably a little corny, but conceptually, there's something there that would be fun. But I love the. I mean, like Animal Challengers of the Unknown. Unknown. Yeah. Yeah, there was a good crossover, I think, between those two. That I love Challengers of the Unknown. Yeah. So, sorry, I interrupted asking no, no, no. you what and, you and like. <laughs> Rip Hunter, uh, you know, the Time Master. Of course, uh-huh. he's going to be in the new television show they have. Coming. Oh, yeah, that Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, Legends, I guess Legends Something of Something like D- that. Legends of Tomorrow. Legends of DC, Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah, Whatever spinoff from Arrow and The Flash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so and you you've worked recently. I mean, like we talked a little bit about this, but you did the I wrote Supergirl with Neil Barrett. Oh, really? One of the for the new series? No, this is this or this for a comics? comic book. This has been some time back. They said, "Look, we're doing these short uh, Supergirl things, and they're all alternate universe things." So we did a parody one again, one of those all time revered. Uh, I mean, not not revered, <laughs> uh, reviled. There we go. Yeah, reviled. I was doing the word was in there. But uh, on one of those all-time reviled, but I think it's pretty funny. I think if something is reviled, that means that you're making at least you're putting your stamp. You're on making something, an impact, right? Like, it yeah. means that it's like very specific, and the people who it love it will always, love it. Doesn't always mean it's bad. It means it's different. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I loved this episode from moment one, but that gives you a you know yeah. an inkling to my sensibility. Yeah. Well, like, I think a lot of people are coming around to it now too. You know. Yeah. 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 So I'm glad of that. That's, I mean, that's awesome. I'm glad that people still are starting to like this one yeah. more. Also, I mean, I've talked to people who liked it. I think it's just oh, like the internet is fickle and yeah. oh, <laughs> they yeah. like to hate on things more easily than uh, anything else. Yeah, I think so too. I think the internet gives people the license to just be mean too. You know, I mean, it's okay to say I don't like this, but it just it gives a, it gives a license to be mean. That's why I said I've never had any problem with anybody. Whether they like my books or they like, I don't care. I'm writing for me. Mm-hmm. But what I do is say, you know. When you see these things and they get personal, that's not about the story anymore. Yeah. You know, that's not about the product. That's, right, they'll insult somebody the way they look. Like, um, yeah, it's the same. And it is just, it's just getting personal. Say, so, you know, stick to a while. Like, and, and when sometimes they say, oh, this guy's so stupid, he wrote this. What, you know, uh, that's, that's getting personal. I haven't had exactly that happen to me, but I've seen it, you know. And yeah. I think, you know, there's no really need to do that. A question about so like you you know this felt like giant monstery like almost yeah. like Godzilla territory. Well, you know I grew up on extent. all those old horror films like the the, the Deadly Mantis. Mm-hmm. It was about a giant mantis tearing up you know toy trucks. Atomic menacey kind of oh, monsters. Reptilicus and all that stuff. So and when I was growing up in the in the fifties and the sixties, most science fiction that was monster fiction was always you know atomic I mean, right. or radiation because they didn't know radiation. You know they thought it would change it overnight mm-hmm. it's like you grow real big all of a sudden <laughs> and uh, so that was a very common thing and in some ways I brought those elements to it and they did too of those old 50s and 60s science fiction films right of what them them one of my favorites big old ants yep big old, big old <laughs> ants big old ants look at them ants yeah uh how do you, I guess, I, I, some of your stuff is extremely dark. Yes. Uh, I mean, darkly comedic, I think. Yeah. But uh, how do you, I, I guess, meeting you, you're a very, you seem 
joyful. <laughs> I am. Yeah. How do you how do you balance that side of yourself when it gets real dark? I, I don't know exactly if I can tell you the real answer because I think it's so sort of just part of me. But sure. I, I think that I've always seen the humor in things, and and I, I think I've also seen the darkness in things. But I've I've always found too, and I think I learned this from Mark Twain. And I think I learned it from Robert Block, uh, wrote Psycho, is that and Hitchcock in a sense did it too, is that humor and horror are just flip sides of the same coin. And sometimes humor actually intensifies the horror. The fact that something's funny that's horrible makes you go, huh, why am I laughing? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think it intensifies that. Or something that the people think is funny, you see as horrible. But they are they don't think it's funny at all and you see it as funny. Right. So it's it's that that duality, you know, it's sort of like two face. You know, it's that duality of it that makes it interesting and gives it the contrast. And and it may, people always say, well, it, it relieves you a little because you've got suddenly the, the humor in this really dark moment. And I think that's true. But I also think that humor, the fact that humor is side by side with something that dark, actually for me makes it worse and makes it even darker because you're seeing a humor in something that should not be humorous. Because Mark Twain once said, there is no humor in heaven. And what he meant was is that all things humorous are actually based on somebody's pain, destruction, discomfort. And I think that's about 99% true. Yeah. When you stop the guy, you watch the guy falls off a ladder in this movie, it's fun. It's funny. Ah, 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 Laurel and Hardy. But you don't want to, you know, somebody falls off on the street, you know, oh, my, that's terrible. Then you might go home and I go... That was pretty funny. He didn't right. die. The immediate yeah. response yeah. is like yeah, funny, yeah. and then it's like, oh, are they okay? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's not good. Yeah, but I mean, I, th- I think that that's when Twain said there's no humor in heaven. That taught me something. I thought, oh, I see what he's saying, you know, that anything that is humorous is really birthed out of darkness. And I don't think it's true absolutely, but it's pretty damn true. Well, and I also feel like some of the two, you know, two of the reactions like laughter and then like, you know, utter fear yeah, are things that are uncontrollable. That same, yeah, yeah, they're uncontrollable. And sometimes you, ah, it's something that you know is just terrible. You kind of laugh. Yeah. You know? And then sometimes the humor is just so intense and somebody's embarrassment is so funny, but it makes you cringe. So, so to me, those two are much more, much closer than people think. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. I feel like all my favorite horror walks that line. Yeah, me too. It you has know? to. <laughs> yeah. Once in a while, I, I really like something that's just completely dark or something that's completely humorous. But I, I tend to have that kind of flow and ebb for me as a writer and as a reader. Robert Block wrote stories that were just, oh my God, they were just horrible things happening and they, and they were funny. Well, there's a certain point where it's like once they start stacking that much, there's something about the amount of bad things that can happen. Yeah, that's right. That becomes funny on like a macro level. Right. Well, you know, Robert Block, he wrote Psycho, and Psycho, the novel, is very much like the movie, except uh, he was a very uh, heavy man in the book, and they made him a thin man in the, 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 huh. the film. But Hitchcock and Block had very much the same sense of humor. And... Hitchcock always said he thought Psycho was a comedy. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I can see that. But it's only if you're, it's, and there's also, there are certain films and there are certain stories that it depends on the direction in which you're looking that day. You know? Yeah. I mean, I've gone in to see films that this is really, really horrible. For whatever reason, 
something catches me as humorous early on because it's so outrageous and I never can <laughs> fall back into and, and then it's just funny to me all the way through sure. it's the problem with it's one of the the problems with horror is that horrors can so easily just become humorous and it's one reason I think I blend those things to just naturally approach that uh, reaction that people can have and I've gone into things that were supposed to be funny and they somehow struck me as dark you know, and I don't think they were even intended to be. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's just the writer's mind at work. But when when Bob Block wrote uh, Psycho, and I knew Bob a little toward the end of his life, and we used to go to conventions and I'd meet him. We weren't great buddies, but we were friends. And uh, he was the most humor. He wrote jokes for Jack Benny and, and Fred Allen huh. and people like that. He was one of the funniest people. You hear this... He used to say, he said he had the heart of a small boy kept in a drawer in his desk. <laughs> I've heard King say that, but it was Block who said it originally. Huh. And uh, there's also, he used to have, boy, I have this much fun since the rats ate my baby sister. You know, he had that kind of, because you're going, ah, uh, uh-huh. wait a minute, right? Uh, you know, so that was that kind of thing I loved about Block. And I think that was a big influence on me. And Twain had, the, had a much more drier sense of humor, but it's the same kind of. Same kind of humor. Same kind of humor. Is there any like modern horror right now that you're into or like that you like? Do you digest a lot of it or is I, it really like? I, I read constantly, but I, I it's funny. I don't read as much horror as I once did. And I, I still read one occasionally. I, I tend to like short stories best. Uh-huh. Uh, in horror, I think short stories in horror work better than novels most of the time. Why do you think? I think that to, to keep that tone and to carry that idea that long is is, is actually chancing it becoming more humorous or silly. Um, now, I'm, I'm not saying there aren't great horror novels. There are The Haunting of Hill House by Shirley Jackson, a number of Stephen King's books, Salem's Lot, The Shining, are really scary, you know. So it's done. But if you had me say, give, give me a list of 100 great horror novels, I, I, I think I might start running out after about 25. But short stories... Short stories is endless. Well, and you can also upload, uh, upload uphold that kind of mystery and, yeah. you know, the unknown is what you right. kind of want to keep. Right. <laughs> well, you know, you can... And, and there's such a variety. It's, so more, it's much more variable in short stories, which sure. is why I prefer short story writing, is that you can read E.F. Benson's horror and then you can switch over to Bob Block's horror and then you can switch to Richard Matheson's like a little thing goes wrong or you can take you know the the soaring heights of, of poetry with Bradbury and still be scared of like and things like the October Country that mm-hmm. collection is absolutely fantastic and even some of his earliest science fiction had elements of horror you know like uh, uh, the Foghorn that story which was in the Golden Apples of the Sun and that story has that creepy idea of the dinosaur. It was turned into a film, uh, what was it, The Beast from 20,000 Fans? Yeah. Did Harryhausen? But, yeah. But it bears no resemblance to his story at all, yeah. except, okay, there's a dinosaur that lives underwater. That's the end of <laughs> Comes it. Comes up, that's it. That story, though, if you ever find the foghorn and read that story, that story is just, it's absolutely beautiful. It's soaring poetry. It's It's got a, it, there, there's a sense of mystery, more than fear, actually, although there's elements of that. It's one of the greatest stories ever written using all the elements of horror and drama and style uh, out there in the deeps far from land, you know, and stuff like that. They're just those those flights of poetry that also could be so dark and so uh, enlightening at the same time. I, I love Ray Bradbury, especially the earlier first 20 years of his work in particular appealed to me. Well, 
Awesome. Thank you so much oh, for yeah. talking more. I got off on other things. Oh, no. That's the point of this podcast. Uh, I mean, a podcast is nothing if it's not a rambling conversation between people. There's nobody... Well, I'm good at rambling. <laughs> uh, I think you were pretty concise, so <laughs> thanks again for coming oh, yeah. by. Enjoyed it. Anything else? Is there anything that you wanted to plug or talk about? Oh, well, about? you know, I am going to plug something. Yeah. I, I'm going to plug uh, more than something. I'm going to plug two or three things. If you Great. Know. Yeah. Remember. Plug away. All right. I have a new novel coming out called Honky Tonk Samurai. And it is in my Happen Leonard series, which is also going to be a television show in March. It stars James Purefoy, Michael K. Williams, Christina Hendricks, Bill Sage, Jeff Pope. Uh, and how do you say Neil's last name so I don't mess Sandalands. it up? Sandalands. Sandalands. Neil Sandalands. And um, I'm sure I've left somebody out. And Christina. I, I did say Christina Hendricks. And, and so I'm looking forward to that. It comes out in March on the Sundance Channel. That's exciting. March the 2nd, it is. Also, I have my paperback of uh, Paradise Sky coming out this year. It was in hardback last year. So that's quite a few things. And if you like anything kind of like country blues, my daughter's album, Restless, it's out there. Great. Grab it. Thanks so much. You bet. Thank you. Today's fan, Philip Martez. Today's Bat fan is a writer and podcaster. You can listen to his podcasts, Ramones of the Day and Super Punk Radio on iTunes. You can hear him talk about Critters right here, right now. I just appeared. And you appeared. Yeah, it was just, we both appeared in a puff of purple smoke right. and glitter. And rather than ask, why are you in my place? I was like, politely. hey, podcast opportunity. You were already supposed to show up anyway. <laughs> this microphone's on. This works. Yeah, it's always on. Just this in case somebody appears. Ready. Yeah, yeah. They apparate. That's for the best. Uh, so, no. I'm excited okay. to have you on the show. Me too. So, uh, you're you're a big Batman the Animated Series fan. Yes, I am. What is it about Batman the Animated Series that you love so much? Um, I think that... I'm so excited to be asked that question. Um, I think it came at exactly the right time for me. I, I'm a little older than you, I believe. Um, so, it was, I was not in high school. Or just maybe early high school. So, it was just the right amount of like it took itself seriously but not so seriously it it they through the power of just like taking every legend you've i think you've covered this in previous episodes but the idea of it taking all of the aspects of batman and making it like sort of a legend that they can propel as opposed to this is the story of how it goes da 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 which yeah. which i find i don't know a little distancing yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna deviate on that for a minute. Um, it always bothers me, like in the movies, when they name who killed his parents. Yes, because and I and maybe it's because of how well I responded to the animated series. But I thought it was way more effective that he never knows, so he's always kind of like. It could be anybody, and so it's everybody. That's why he's always looking. And That's also the face of violence is... Is his villain. His unnamed villain. Exactly. Yeah. So I don't know what you really gain by being like, oh yeah, it was this guy, and here's why he did it. And, and there's his this... name is Joe Chill. <laughs> Which That sounds like a Santa them. Barbara dude to me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think I think it was that type of stuff. It was like, the obviously, you know, the had these people writing it and creating it who cared very much about it but i think that the level that they worked at it was was so to almost almost create a timelessness before and after so it just like it was like the greatest hits album that was a legitimate album yes like that's 
That's my long ramble. Ooh, speech. that was a great. Thank you. A great ramble. Thank you very much. I'm full uh, of. Hope. Started off with a strong ramble. <laughs> so let's move into critters. Yeah. So this is a divisive episode. People seem to hate it. Yeah. Yes, they do. And you did. You 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 sent me like a list of episodes you were interested right. in talking about, and you were also like critters. Yes, even critters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I was. Yeah, when I first saw this, um, it was. I guess it's pre-internet. Well, very early bare bones internet at the most. Yeah, we still had AOL chat rooms. Yes, perhaps. right. So I was logging on with my AOL chat room, uh, and so I, I feel like. If this comes out 15 years later or whatever, you know, then you know right away. You kind of, like, have your opinion decided within five minutes of watching it. Yes. But just because of watching it by myself, as I'm sure I watched by myself, I just took it for what it was. And I'm not I'm not going to sit here and say this is, it's like mad love and this. You know, like, it's a, a, I love no. mad love over the edge and critters. <laughs> and they're equally great. They're equally on every level. Uh, but no, I, I was, I've always been a little surprised at how reviled it is. It seems, I, I think that kind of goes to, I don't know, like a fan's want for what they want Batman to be or what he can't be. And I am, I am more the person that like, at this point in the show, in the series run, I was already so much a fan that I, I'll, Tangent for a second. I read some review where someone said it was like this just isn't his Batman. It was like his Batman doesn't fly around a rocket pack. I'm like, my Batman's the animated series Batman, and the Batman in the animated series uses a rocket pack. So I got no problem with rocket packs. Like that was their biggest. I don't know. Was the rocket pack? They, they had an issue with the rocket pack, and I'm like, it was oh, a very clear cool. toy tie-in because I owned the action figure, <laughs> except that I think it was a blue action figure of Batman, so it wasn't even show accurate. Oh, really? But I think the rocket pack was used in like a couple episodes, like the ultimate. It's in World's one. Finest. Oh, it's yeah. in it's in the yeah, Roxy yeah. Rocket one. It's in the Roxy Rocket one. I'm pretty sure. Maybe. Wait. Ooh, I don't know. Now I'm gonna definitely World's Finest. Though. Definitely. Yeah, but uh, I don't know why. Like as soon as he has a rock, like I don't know what the big problem with rocket pack would be. Like if you're gonna have pick of all the things to worry about, rocket pack yeah, seems in, like in critters. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's not really flying. Well, I see what people don't like in that it's, like, totally different tonally than the rest of the series. Sure. Up to that point, though, like, there are some pretty crazy episodes in the new Batman Adventures. Like, you have the Etrigan and Clarion, the Witch Boy episode. (laughs) Yeah, right? So we have magic. Right. We have magic, so why not have, like, 50s atomic monsters, essentially, but melded with farm animals? I agree. And I think people maybe get... Yeah, maybe you should... Next time you should you should do a double episode on critters. Critters. You should have the defense, which is me, and then you should have the the prosecution. I honestly did think about bringing in two really? people, like one person who hates it, one person who loves oh, it. Oh wow! But I think the person who hates it is more prevalent and already available on the <laughs> internet. Okay, fine. Well, then yeah, you can read up on that. But uh, I, I was gonna say I think a lot of fans, especially coming like after Dark Knight Returns, after that sort of thing, are very protective anytime something gets close to the 60s version yeah and so even though it's like i don't know how the 60s version would have done this and there's certain like steps in critters that i feel like you they would never have done i can see how there's like that's closer to the 60s version than i don't know Night of the Samurai, you know, like yeah. one of those like yeah that's not those aren't those but like yeah i guess we also it could saw be a bunch of those 
Yeah, but why not <laughs> yeah. have a one-off where it's Batman versus giant bugs? Like, what? That's yeah. fun. That's uh, yeah. pure fun. I in rewatching this episode, it'd been a while since I'd seen it. Uh, I was amazed and kind of delighted how they there is a there is a giant monster attack within maybe three lines. Yes, like they're like they're like, well, yeah, we built this stuff. To give us more meat. Let's see it. Holy <laughs> crap. crap. And that's it. We that's don't it. see Bruce Wayne before we see the giant nope. cow monster. <laughs> yeah. That's got right. top Just, I, I, I applaud their economy. If I would j- say there are more else. giant monster attacks in that than in maybe in like Destroy All Monsters. The <laughs> <laughs> like almost every scene, like they crammed so many yeah. giant monsters in here. Yeah. If you want giant monsters, that's the place to get it. Go to Critters. Go to Critters. Uh, I, I I think it's just fun, and I and maybe yeah. it was like a pre Brave and the Bold sort of mentality. Like people, yeah, were you very could see protective it on of this version of Batman, and mm-hmm. it was before it kind of grew out into Justice League, and we saw kind of Batman dealing with more supernatural yeah. or crazy entities. You could see it like a bridge of those, but I I don't know. I also kind of think that like I think sometimes people. I just like talking about these people as though they. I know all of them. Um, but I think sometimes people try to, you know, try to over-explain everything and, and get really protective of those things, like you say. And someone like Farmer Brown doesn't fit that mold of, like, well, the Joker is, like, the opposite of Batman. And Harvey is, or Two-Face is the, you know, he's, like, the split personality like Batman and Bruce Wayne could be. And it's like, look, not everybody in your life directly relates to every aspect of your psyche. Psyche. So around is like that American Gothic uncle I have with the electric pitchfork. <laughs> yeah, remember that? Uh, no, I, I, I kind of like that's sort of the benefit of them having you know however many hundred episodes they had is that they can. Yeah, sometimes Batman had to deal with something really psychologically hard, and sometimes a dude just launched freaking <laughs> monsters on the city. I'm like, yeah, I got, I got to deal with that. I signed up for everything. Yeah, I, so. I, I like it as a breath of fresh air. Like, I agree yeah, yeah. that it's not like, oh, man, this is the best episode ever. But I really enjoy it in, like, a pure fun yeah. sort of mindset. It's like, I like that it kind of veers into the campier end of things. Like, it's, yeah. if the whole show was like that, I, I probably wouldn't like the animated series as much. No. But I like that we do get this as a slice of, like, hey, what if, what if there were these basically giant, like, what if chickens were pterodactyls attacking the police blimp? Like, what a great scene. Yeah, sure. Oh, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. Is that the end of the police blimp? Was that the last one? I'm not a big continuity guy, I'll tell you right now. Oh, I think there's more than one blimp, right? I don't know. But here's my question, is did we ever see a blimp after after that chicken took out a blimp? I don't know, guys. Tweet <laughs> at BTAS Podcast. I don't let know. Let me know if a blimp has appeared afterwards. I can't. I when I when I saw it, I thought, "Oh man, this show's gonna be all over the police blimp story." And then I was like, "Oh my god, is this the death of the blimp?" I love like, the idea that, that they only have one blimp. <laughs> and they just trade blimp. it off. Just one. Well, there's only one guy. Right. They found one guy who can fly it. Ah, uh, this is my own personal blimp, and uh, is it okay, I, we put police on here. Yeah, yeah it was sure. a prop. <laughs> it was it was a movie vehicle beforehand. <laughs> My grandfather was a Nazi. And <laughs> yeah, I don't I like that. That's talk not about. a bad thing uh, to bring up to Why new, would that new be people. Bad? Why would that be bad? Yeah, uh, yeah. no, I I liked. I, I'll I'll transition to that. In uh, I was making a list coming here, trying to think of episodes I thought this was better than. Okay. Um, so I will gladly go on record and say I would watch this episode before. Uh, I think it's called Moon of the Wolf. Yes. Is it the one with the werewolf? Yep. That's pretty terrible. Um, 
Batman in my basement. Oh yeah, the, the classic horrible episode. Classic horrible episode. Batman Underdwellers, right? Yeah, that was the one with the That's Sewer King. Who's uh, <laughs> the the Fagin the of the Batman yeah, right? universe? Yeah, and there's like lots of little pickpockets. Yes. Um, <laughs> what fun. What fun. And then mess it. Anyway, uh, no, that one, that forgotten one that was always played on Cartoon Network and was yes. like, you can have these six. Batman gets amnesia and then yeah. he's forced to work with a bunch of homeless dudes and who I, get kidnapped. Yeah. yeah. And then I and I also wrote uh, 75% of the Catwoman episodes, I would say. This really? And here's why, though. I think the animation is better on this than those. Like it's better than Cat Scratch Fever, and it's better than like that. I remember hating Cat Scratch Fever when I was younger. It's not. It was boring, but I I have not watched it honestly probably for seven years. I actively avoided it. I think. Yeah, but I've never. I I always kind of felt like I I remember being very excited. I can't remember which one. Uh, Is it Catwalk that Deanie wrote? Yes, Catwalk was with Catwoman and Scarface. I remember seeing that and realizing. Okay, Paul Dini's in charge of her. Let's get something good. Because up to then, it's kind of like, wow, yeah, she's a girl. Check and out Batgirl Returns again. It's good. Batgirl's Return. Yeah, that was. I forget good. that it's a Catwoman episode, but it really is just like a Catwoman Batgirl team. That's up. true. That's true. All right, fine. I do, and I'm also I'm not throwing almost got him in there. No, that's not. Also but, great. But uh, but I realize back to critters. Um, I like the animation. I think they did a good job of. Like the action is good and it looks good and there's there's actual visuals in there that I think are I don't they're it's like I was gonna say it was like they're above anything else. It was like it's not that, but it's also like that's the creepy goat scene. Okay, so let's talk about let's talk that. about creepy goats. I think that is the best scene in this episode. <laughs> I think it's yeah. so cool, it's moody, and it's one of the creepiest things. It's a little funny. Episode. It's yeah. a little funny with the Batman. Batman, Batman. Yeah. And that, yeah, Rogue you're right. Howdy, howdy, howdy. <laughs> is that his voice? Is I that think it's to be? Farmer Brown's voice, and maybe he like mapped it. I don't, I don't know. It, it's real creepy. Because they're say... already creepy because their eyes are That's fucked true. Up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I, that's, uh, yeah. Even the knock, like they, they did it. They, I was going to say they shot it. I'll say they shot it. But they shot it really well of just like, a little build up, a little build up. Donut goes missing. It's all kind oh, yeah, of like, the, like kind of like the shadow. Yeah, the shadow over, takes like, the donut. Yeah, and then you hear the and the door knock was it's always like a the very thing horror like, movie door knock. Yeah, probably the Babadook. Yeah. Was uh, there. <laughs> no, I I really love that. I love. Uh, I've been trying to think of what it's like. I think it's the the uh, his Farmer Brown's hideaway. How it's like painted walls. With those Pixar clouds? Yeah, Pixar clouds. It looks like Andy's room. Um, no, I love that. Uh, it kind of, it feels like a Twilight Zone, but mm-hmm. it also is kind of like Truman Show, where yes. it's like, this is the end, like, this guy just made a world for himself. Right, because you see him sitting on the porch, and he's, like, carving that weird, like, two-headed <laughs> bull. Or, yeah, or laying it on, that's as subtle as it gets. Which is great. It's, like, perfect, like, gothic. Lansdale's yeah. writing is, like, kind of fantastic for this. It It is. His dialogue I, I like is that. great. Yeah. Snookered comes up at least twice. Um, I didn't keep a snookered count. You're, oh, you got to keep a snookered count. Every Batman episode, you'll be very disappointed until you reach Critters. That's good. But I, they, what, he has some great like language in there, like, oh, like he's wetter than like a bag full of dead cats, Daddy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's. I think the thing is with going back to my my list of my episodes that I don't like. I like that 
I think I respond to that character, however not iconic Farmer Brown is. It's like he's I understand him, mm-hmm. and I and he's got a voice all his own, and there's a mission, and it's like yeah, that's more than that fat dude who's just like slaving people and got yeah. gravy on his face. Like, yeah, I, I don't what gravy face. Yeah. I couldn't even tell you his name. No, that guy. Gravy face. Let's just gravy call face. him Gravy face from now on. The forgotten villain is <laughs> Gravy face. He represents Batman's hatred of gravy. Yeah, and uh, unfortunately, <laughs> Batman didn't even know about it because he was uh, white-haired and amnesic. That's I'm going to use that as a uh, adjective. Amnesic. Amnesic. He was amnesic. Um, yeah. No, I. I. I think part of. I think part of why I responded. Going back to your original question. Why I responded so well to Batman the Animated Series is maybe sort of what people don't respond to with this. It was like it. This show kind of informed what my ideal Batman is, whatever mm-hmm. you want to say. Um, so I allowed it to go for those things. And I feel like some people, maybe they, once they have like a, a small window, I mean, like, well, once it's outside of that, it can't do it. And I'm like, well, I mean, he's still a dude in tights. So yeah. weird stuff's gonna happen. It's well, also this episode is self-aware. It's not yes. trying to like portray this as a serious episode. No. Like there are plenty of of puns or oh yeah, like, and, which they kind of comment on. But and like, let's say pretty good puns. That's a, a chicken. Lot of di- a chicken dies by barbecue sauce. Yes, I saw. I knew it was coming, and I laughed. Every time it's so dumb. It's like the China shop, Ferdinand, so all that stuff is just like yeah. enough of like a on the nose joke that it's like, yeah. hey, we know this episode is crazy. They get away with it, I think, because unlike say like this, the Adam West show, which I which I love as it is, but Batman's never the punchline. It's the still. It's he's still himself right he's straight manning all of this yeah, insanity yeah. like he's holding a, pr- a giant praying mantis's head as <laughs> it's bought also they can kill things in this oh which is god yeah fun. like his arms fucking pop off there's and... goosh Ugh. of the of the mantis monsters that just oozes out of the missile you're like all right well that's, fun. that's the end of that, that. <laughs> yeah no, I appreciate that. Well, what is it Bullock says? He's like, you know, you've survived the Joker and Two-Face, <laughs> but you're going to die in a silo full of it's bugs? little things like that. I feel like the le- the lesser show tries to not point out. But this is the type of show that, yeah, yeah you have to call out. Like, everyone has to be thinking this. Yes. <laughs> like, I can't believe... This can't be the way this happens, right? Also, Bullock is in there, too. Like, what a way yeah. to, like, throw... Bullock just shows up halfway through the episode, and I love that he's, like, being wrestled... Like, he's thrown to be eaten by, like, a boar or a yeah. giant pig. They also call him, like, the fat one or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I have to say, I, I like the design of a lot of these uh, creatures. The boar just looks like a boar. I was like, oh, well, it's a big boar. I mean, that's, yeah, it's going to be nasty already. Creatures, but uh, we had one regular boar thrown in there. Boars are pretty nasty on their own, so let's, I don't want to improve. Let's uh, not improve the wheel. Yeah. Oh, never mind. I was thinking Pumbaa, but he's a warthog. Mm. When I was a young warthog. Oh, yeah. See, it's not far from Pumbaa. I love the creature design, though. Actually, yeah, I have yeah. a little story about that Go. from an interview that I just did yesterday with... And a director, Dan Reba, who oh. he directed a lot of the episodes. This is like Inside soon. Scoop. I know, Inside Scoop, guys. You'll be hearing his episode. You can hear future. that on this show. You're Down plugging your show on your show. Well, it was unfortunately off mic that he. we were just talking so oh, wow. much. Okay. And he was telling me about Critters. Okay. And so they had discovered that he had discovered this character designer. 
who had this like kind of Jack Kirby-ish style, but it was like a little different. And he was like, we got to get this guy on the show. And Bruce Tim really liked his designs, but Bruce was like, I don't want to ruin him. I don't huh. want to make him like draw within my confines and oh, like wow. take away his creativity. And so they kind of like pushed him aside, even though the guy was like, ruin me. I want to be on oh, Batman the Animated Series. And he was like going to CalArts, I think. Did he turn, did he, have we seen this guy's work somewhere else? Uh, yes. Yeah, so in this, well. He's in, Brad Bird. He is Brad Bird. <laughs> That's who he is. Uh, but then when they were like, oh, who do we get to design these monsters? They were like, this guy. Oh, and it was like, okay. let's get in touch with him. And it's like, oh, he just moved back to Hawaii. So they contacted him and he's just started faxing over all of these. Oh, that's this cool. was the year of the fax machine. Yeah. Uh, faxing over all of these designs. And they were wow. like, they were really awesome. And then, you know, they kind of homogenized them for Bruce Timm's style. Yeah, they but fit it in there. This one guy was brought in for these cool monsters. And hmm. it was just because I think Dan Reba saw that's cool. this guy's portfolio and it was awesome. And that's just like such a cool that's story. That's pretty cool that he would remember it too. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know anything about character design, but I feel like, you know, these guys could probably pull off a creepy chicken. Um, but I like that they, yeah, that's cool. And they do have like kind of a Kirby-esque vibe to them. Yeah, yeah. Kirby Big monsters. heads. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they're chunky. Yeah, they're like, chunky big head guys. Their yeah, eyes yeah. are very like dark side-y. Yeah. Like those yes. giant chickens. They're dark side chickens. Yes. They are apocalypse They probably chicken. were from apocalypse. They came in by via boom tube. Yeah, what are those guys called? The uh, oh, parademons? No. Yes. Yeah, they're like pet parademons. <laughs> <laughs> they keep. Uh, I also wanted to say, I think part of the reason why Critters maybe gets reviled mm-hmm. is that it exists in that newer design. Which I, which I feel like is sort of a dividing line of people like, oh, yeah, I like... People li- are like, I, I dropped like- off after they redesigned it. I personally, a lot of times, prefer the redesign. It depends on the episode. I agree. Sure. I, I really like... Obviously, Scarecrow is one that we always For talk sure. about on the show. I think Bruce Wayne, like the slim, trim, black suit Bruce Wayne. Yeah. And his voice. His voice, I think... Even going on to Justice League, I think Conroy's voice is like a little better. Yeah, he really just keeps settling into the character more yeah. and more. Yeah, I like Bruce Wayne a lot. Uh, I thought the Catwoman design, it, it kind of like, I feel like they got, they kind of got, I don't know, disrespected in that it's simplified a bit. But I guess I prefer a Catwoman without the little belt then you know. Uh, and I and then it, the challenge in animation, I suppose, is that it was like, yeah, this is just a black blob bruce wayne too so like now you have to do it with perspective you can't just have him walk in with this big brown suit and walk around so i i but anyway i kind of feel like if people don't like that redesign as soon as they see this they're like oh it's a redesign one it's gonna have this this robin you know or whatever and then so already they're maybe they're not so on board and they're like oh the redesign plus this like giant crazy monsters. farmer guy yeah yeah so maybe that's why they don't i think you're right people do seem to well it's also like whenever you jumped in i think most people probably within sure. our general age group uh, there's like they probably saw batman the animated series first so they were predisposed to dislike the redesigns maybe but I'm sure there are people you know i haven't talked to a lot of people who grew up strictly on new batman adventures because it was such a slim window it was like two years i think yeah yeah it's but, like the yeah no go ahead oh no I, I really i imagine it's just like whenever you jump into something that's what you love like i have a couple friends sure. who are a few years younger than me and they love muppet treasure island and they think it's the best <laughs> muppet movie and i hate it i think it's horrible <laughs> uh but it's really when you jump in i'm like no that's yeah. not that's post henson 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, give me the Muppet movie. We don't count. We don't count this. And my uncle introduced me to, like, you know, earlier Muppet movies when I was younger, so I think I was like, this is it. For I me, think it's the Muppet movie, The Great Muppet Caper. Maybe Muppets Take Manhattan. I think that's part of it. And I think, and, and I keep going back to that original question of, like, what it was about this show. Because when I, when I saw it, like I said, it was probably early high school. And so, as a kid, I was way into the Adam West show because, I mean... There it is. Yeah. And then I remember the 89 Batman came out and I loved it. And then they were going to rerun the Adam West show. I'm like, that's great. And you watch it for the first time ever. You're like, this show doesn't take itself seriously at all. (laughs) And at first I thought it was horrible. And then I got the joke a little more. And then this came out. Then the animated series came out. And you're kind of like, oh, this is like everything you like, but not limited and somehow its own thing. And somehow its own thing. And so, yeah, I, I feel like that. That was definitely a formation of that. I'd already been way, like, you know, as a kid, like, wearing Batman costumes and stuff. But, like, this show just allowed for that great Batman-ness to happen so readily. So, yeah. I I wonder if Batman would be as big as it was without the show. I don't think so. I think this paved the way for... That's an interesting The future... Yeah, I mean, sure, Burton's Burton's films for sure paved Mm -hmm. the way. But after... After, you know, Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, they really were suffering. And I think this show almost upheld the integrity of Batman for longer sure. than the films. No, I think you're right. And people like were like, well, wait, there's still something good here. You're right. No, <laughs> not you're in not. The Dark Ages I don't forever. think you're I don't think you're far off because yeah, it was sort of the thing that kept that like the weird part about, especially the Schumacher movies, and I'm not a hater of Batman Forever. No, I'm not either. It's Batman actually. and Robin, I feel like everybody... Although it's there's garbage, probably somebody... and I revisited it, and I thought, I was like, you know what? Batman Forever was at least fun to watch, and then I watched Batman and Robin, and I've talked about it's this a lot. Awful. It's boring. It's really... How can you make something that huge a budget and colorful boring? It's it like is... the Dick Tracy movie. <laughs> like, yeah. you just, like, it's horrible. You can't even fall asleep to it. It's that boring. There's some kid out there who has not seen anything... But that was his introduction to Batman. And so I like, his find version, that person. His, his version find of Batman is like, oh yeah, the one with George Clooney? I've never found a Batman and Robin Defender. So I'm wondering who it is. There's gotta be... Are you I, out there? Do you exist? <laughs> yeah, if You have a good shot of hitting them, I feel like, with this. But maybe not. Maybe you have to find Batman and Robin. I mean, I, the people Batman? get upset with me for saying I like Batman Returns. So I feel like Batman Do you like... Wait, you like Batman Returns? Ooh, I love Batman Returns. I think oh, that's I the best it. of those four films. Really? Absolutely. I would. I still stay by eighty nine, um, mostly because of it. It's funny that movie does not feels less like a Tim Burton movie than what Tim Burton movies became. Batman Returns feels like a Tim Burton movie. Like uh-huh. watching them back to back, you're like these are this is drastically different. Yeah, they like, do feel like totally different yeah. films. They have the same aesthetic. Like he set the sure. everything in place in the first one, eighty nine, but. I don't know. I feel like Returns is a better... For me, at least, it works better as a, a film. It was overall. my favorite Catwoman for a long time. Oh, yeah. That... Yeah. Um, how did we get to Batman Returns? Oh, you know. We're we talking about talk Batman. About Batman. <laughs> oh, I, okay. I'm going to ask you an on-mic question here. Yeah. And then try to convert you. Uh, you don't like Batman... Or no, Dark Knight Returns. Is that right? You're not that moved by Dark Knight No. Returns. Why is that, do you think? Uh, what, is pro- what is wrong with you? By Dark Knight Returns... Uh, Dark Knight Rises? No, Dark Knight Returns. Oh, you mean... Dark Knight Rises we can talk about too, but I mean the comic. Didn't you talk about the comic? Oh, yeah, I like it. Oh, you do? Oh, okay. Well, then never mind. This went nowhere. I don't like... I thought uh, you said once that you you weren't that in... Like the Frank Miller... I think I'm not overall into like the Frank Miller Batman, but I think Dark Knight Returns on its own, great. Great piece of art. 
then he, I feel like, just kept pushing the same version of aggro Batman that I don't sure. care about. I love the world. I love, I love the the, the first mm-hmm. the first one. And yeah. then the sequel, the second oh, no, one was pretty bad. Great. And then I know there's a third one. There is, and I I can't believe I won't learn from the mistakes of that second one. But I'm actually reading it, and so far so good. I'm two I'm two issues in, not for nothing. But he's like teamed up with other guys. Oh, that's cool. Which I feel like they're kind of like a little bit of rain in isn't going to hurt this project. Um, okay, good. I feel better. Oh yeah, no, I like Dark Knight Returns. <laughs> All right, come. I just think there was a period of time where the, this aggressive Batman sure. was being pushed. It was like Miller Batman's the best Batman, mm-hmm. and I think it was a response. or the only right. And it's like, all right, I, I don't need to see every like. I feel like that's where we're living right now. The Batman, the yes. on-screen Batman, is just this like dark as hell, you know, like well, brooding powerhouse. And I'm like, I, I'm kind of over this. I kind of miss. I. I imagine we're going to have the same response here because of liking the animated series as much. But I I feel like what has happened post-Miller and all the... And even the Nolan movies, um, they are, like, they're very much into the, like, Bruce Wayne is a crazy person. And I feel like in the real world, yes, he's a crazy person. This is not the real world. I'm just tired He's of the real world best versions person. of Batman. Yeah, yeah. You like, don't let's have do the Marvel everything. universe, you know, the cinematic universe thing yeah. with DC heroes. Like they, they do, do such that? a good job of like towing the line between fun, mm-hmm. you know, like being like, hey, this is a comic book. They're running around in tights, but also yeah. like you know, you see Civil War coming out. It's like when we ground things, it's for a reason. Yeah. And I think it was important when the Nolan movies started to ground things because we were in such a heightened right, right. crazy zone from Batman and Robin that like the response needed to be like, let's go in the complete opposite direction. Yeah. But now I'm, I'm I don't. No, I don't need, need it's, it. It's it's like my I'll, I will never not complain about continuity, but I <laughs> but I and I feel like part of that is spurred by the animated series because while it kind of has it, it's not a it's a show you could pick up. Any episode, yeah. and enjoy. It had beginning, middle, and ends. They felt like little movies. They felt like I little movies, exactly. Go back to anyway. and and I feel like that is a lost art, and definitely for the comic book movies uh, that are just like, well, we're gonna explain every detail of his life, and and it's things like that that won't let you deviate into things you might think was like, oh, that's a little we- off for us. We're like, we can't really have the monster episode. I'm like, well. We're, then we're just going to lock into the same things over and over and yeah. over again. It's it's actually limiting to try to tell every aspect of a story as opposed to just like, here's this character who is inherently interesting. Put him in lots of situations. Let's explore. And I also yeah. think they earned critters, you know? Like, oh, yeah. They did so many good episodes that were just grounded or psychologically interesting or, sure. you know... They tried things out that, like, we're at, what, episode, I don't know, we're in, like, the 90s it's gotta be point. upper 90s. Yeah, and so it's like, why not? What's the worst that can happen? Yeah. I guess everybody hates it, but I think the crew <laughs> liked it. Like, in that commentary they talk about. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Don't they say something that was like they, well, at least, like, Tim, Bruce Tim was down with oh, it. Oh, yeah, I think they all enjoyed it. And I yeah. think it's also probably a breath of fresh air. Yeah, you, know, you gotta think. We've already done all these other things. And they <laughs> I mean, hadn't quite done Justice League. You know, they hadn't done that stuff yet. They were yeah. living in, you know, the Superman universe at the right. same time. So it's like, let's tell a bigger story. Right. I uh, think in a way they did, they did, it kind of is what the Marvel universe has done too. That, I don't know how much foresight they put into it, but to start your universe with Batman. So it's like terrestrial gangsters, human beings, 
and then go to Superman, then introduce Superman, so then you can have, like, monsters and, and sure. Etrigan, then do the Justice League, as opposed to the other way, where it's like, as soon as you have the Justice League, how could Bat... That's always cracked me up on those, or in the comic books, where Batman's like, I have business in Gotham. It's like, is it more important than, like, the aliens attacking the world? Uh, well, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the Ace Chemical Plant. Uh, <laughs> There's another, another bank robbery. Like, well... Well, Buddy? I do like that the thing about Batman is that he is a detail-obsessive-oriented dude. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. He didn't stop forgetting. No. But I, I don't know. I like... I think they they played that really well in that as soon as you... They knew as soon as we let this genie out, like, a man can fly. Well, now now more things are on the table. Absolutely. And now we get monsters. Yeah. So yeah. I'm... Yeah. I'm very much fine with it. Yeah, I think we would have been stagnating if we were stuck with the same Batman stories over and over again. Yeah. Do you watch Gotham? I don't. I tried, but I feel like it does the same thing. I don't know, I'm just going on. No, I am. Uh, I feel like they tried to do the same thing where they tried to explain every single I think that's just little... the trend right now. I, I, guess I feel so. like we're going to we're going to like rubber band back. I feel like we're pulling back a rubber band and yeah. it's just going to like <laughs> back. Yeah. Yeah. No, you I I kind of hope you're right. I I'm watching The Flash, which I enjoyed just You know, I've only it's... watched a few episodes and I really like it. I got into it. I got into it in a weird way uh because I think I watched the first episode of season 2 just like well, folding laundry cuz I'm like I I'm I'm going to give this there's lots of posters. It's I'm going to give this show a shot. I made I cooked dinner while It's I a fantastic it. laundry show. Yeah, you don't it's a it is on the CW for a reason. Let's just say that. Um, the most, the most beautiful lab technicians you'll ever see. Oh yeah. Uh, but, but then I actually went back and I was like, when I realized, wait, they got Mark Hamill to be the trickster again. Like I'm going to watch this trickster episode. And then I found out they did Grodd and I'm like, wait, they did Grodd on this show. And then I went back and watched the whole thing. And then I actually, I talked about it enough to my wife that she was like, fine, I'll watch this show with that jerk from Glee as Flash. And she loves it. But it's the t- it, that's like as much continuity as I can handle. Like all the other sort of stuff is just so heavy. And I think I, that's the one time I'll forgive it in a way because it seems like they're having so much fun with it. Yeah, and I just that's want the that beginning of, of that rubber band. thrown in there. You yeah. know, and it feels like the DC TV projects are more in that world. Roku. To bring it back to Critters. Yeah, oh, please bit. do. Uh, Rain you have some notes. Oh, I think we've covered a lot of the notes. We talked about Destroy the Police Blimp. Uh, I don't know how often I, or how much I talked about great bat action with a jetpack, but oh. I was, yeah, I know, I remember. We did talk jetpack. Uh, hour ago, we talked about that. Oh, and, uh, and I want to give points to this episode for the classic resolution by explosion. Yes. Like, stuff blew up. Like, it almost didn't have to blow up. There is a weird moment where she's, you know, like, they see it, the Farmer Brown and his daughter, they're watching the silo yeah, yeah. go off, uh, and she's like... It's purdy, ain't it, Daddy? And he's like, Daddy, it is. And then it explodes. And then we kind of like later see Batgirl seeing it explodes, and she's like, Now that's purdy. She heard them. But yeah, it's like a reference <laughs> yeah. to like what how did she know? For to defend Batgirl, please. There's probably a fifty percent chance that that girl was going to say something was purdy. That's true. It was like as soon as they saw these guys are like, All right, these rubes are gonna say something's purdy. These right? rubes. So sooner or later, this is gonna Watch this one, Robin. This one's going to pay off big time. Okay. That's okay, pretty. Okay. Uh, Peter Breck you. is Farmer Brown. So he's a... Oh, yeah. Who's Peter Breck? He, I, you know, I looked him up. He, he's, he's definitely like an old school actor. He has such a good voice. Like oh, there's right. this menace to him. No, yeah. It's... Yeah. It's... Uh, it is that... I, I enjoy... I'm from the Midwest. 
my half my family is farmers and the other half are teachers mostly of agriculture and so i've been around farmers my entire life and i kind of enjoy and not that it's there i'm not here to make political statements but i kind of enjoy that sort of polite hostility that farmer brown has yeah of like this is like he's just saying these things in sort of a nice way but you can tell it's like this guy doesn't like people. He doesn't like anybody no, look around at him. him. He's sallow and has yellow eyes. <laughs> His yellow eyes. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, that guy's right. Also, let's talk about him genetically okay. enhancing his daughter. Yeah, right. She's like super strong. She picks up bullets. Yeah. And uh, yeah, she gets kicked out of most professional. We leagues. do linger a little bit too much on her like Daisy Duke short on her butt. shorts. At, yeah, yeah. Like there's like a like a tilt up, and I was like, this is it, isn't it? Yeah, or it's like the shot opens on her butt. Yes, and she like walks away, and I was which like, I can't believe it just said opens on her butt, but it does. It opens on her butt. It's creepy. Uh, it's a little creepy. A little weird. Yeah, I I I'm I guess it's okay now that we can see those things. You know what I mean? That, like, not that we can see a cartoon butt, but that we notice those things. That we're, we're like, aware oh, of that no, being that like, wouldn't... hey, that's not... We don't uh, do that anymore. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, a little sign of the times here. A little creepy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, I like, But I still kind of like that image of... It's almost the joke of, like, the farmer and the beautiful daughter. Right. So as soon as Bullock shows up, they're like... You know, like there's one rule. I w- almost would have loved for them to say like, "There's you can stay with the pigs, but there's one rule: don't <laughs> sleep with my beautiful, oh, genetically God. enhanced daughter." Yeah, that that old chestnut of a joke. Always but to go had- to your, maybe you're going to the point. Sorry, no. Uh, maybe you're going to the point that like, yeah, it's a little weird that he turns it on him. Yes, it's a little racial ghoulie. Yes, that's what like, I was thinking of the Out of the Past episode yeah, yeah. from Batman Beyond. Which is pretty sweet. Ooh, um, but so uh, well, not sweet in the right way. But uh, but I like. That sort of fits the villain template of he doesn't actually care about anybody but himself. Exactly. He's way, trying so, yeah. it on his daughter. And yeah. I mean, look what happened to all of the other animals. <laughs> they look awful and gigantic. Yeah, how did he nail that one? Come to think of it. Everybody else has, like, warts. Look, this this episode certainly leaves a lot of questions. <laughs> he lost so much money, but he also has the money to spare for a giant... You know what? I, I know where you're going with this. Yeah. He, I assume he stole it. Right, I assumed he did, but it's but gotta be it. I think it's like one of those where it's like, don't. This is this is a reason you don't ask too many questions. It's you know, like, you're right. We wouldn't have gotten this fun episode if it was mired in like, and here's how it happened. And you're right. Farmer Farmer Brand's legal battles. You know what? It's you're exactly right, and I do kind of hate that crap. I feel like the internet does make it needs that because everybody's so passionate about it and they want to go over every detail. Like right now, I'm gonna really go into it, but right now we live in like. The world after the last Star Wars movie, episode yes. seven, and, and there's like all these discussions about where's Ray's parents and all this stuff, and I'm like, it's a galaxy of people. Not everybody knows where their parents come from. Yeah. So it's very possible that that won't happen, but you can almost see the writing on the wall. It's like, yeah, they're gonna deal with that because they have to. But like, yeah, would you rather have? Would you rather have a detailed explanation of the finances of Farmer Brown's criminal enterprise? Or monsters, and I'm, I'm gonna always going to choose criminal enterprise personally. <laughs> I feel like a good legal that is explanation. The, that is the fiscally responsible answer. Yes, you pass 
our economics test. Yeah, I just wanted to know if he was incorporated, how he was writing things off. Like uh... he gets it's actually it's government grants from oh, his set aside. Okay, and he doesn't always farm everything on his fake farm island. That was the original draft. <laughs> there was a lot of like government subsidy stuff. That was how Batman nailed him. It's like Al Capone. <laughs> I mean, I feel like Bruce Wayne would do that. <laughs> yeah, why wouldn't? He? <laughs> yeah, he should have thought about it. Like, oh wait, oh we could just shut this guy Team down. Team up with the IRS. <laughs> yeah, we should tax him. Well, That's his answer for everything. Tax the rocket tax silo. The <laughs> yeah. I have business uh, on Gotham. So we, we've very heavily... We're very pro-critters <laughs> here. Very I imagine most people are not. Uh, <laughs> you know what? They I can get their fun. own show, Justin. Yeah. 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 Anti-critters. <laughs> Anti-critters. There's got to be a better name for that. We'll uh, punch yeah. up the joke in post. <laughs> well, no. Not worth it. <laughs> uh, is there anything no. else? Any other thoughts? Uh, other thoughts? I'm really glad I got to... Bag on continuity. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, no, I I would say if if anybody was going to try to actually actively enjoy this episode, they would have to get by those sort of like preconceived notions of what they think a Batman episode should look like in both visual and tone. I think that that's the biggest hurdle. Yeah, go otherwise, with an open mind. Yeah, otherwise, this is like. Like, I like that... What's the one with Maxi Zeus? Fire from oh, Olympus? Fire from Olympus. It's about the same type of thing. It's like a crazy rich guy who tortures his family and like has kind of technological monsters. And like, also features a blimp exploding. And, oh, man. Those blimps. That's a bad idea. Yeah. Bad. Always <laughs> bad. <laughs> Always bad. Uh, no, but it's kind of like the same... I don't know. It, it all fits in my allowable universe of Batman. So... Yeah, as long as you don't linger on the details, I think I'm okay with monster fights. And if not, you have all of those other episodes. Yeah, it doesn't take away... That's the cool... You know, that's probably like the hidden genius of that show, is that little things like that didn't take away, at least for me, and and I assume for you, it didn't take away from the effect of Over the Edge and those things. Like It actually kind of enhances those because you get that lightness... And then, oh my God, this stuff happened. I'm like, yeah, that that it ebbs and flows. It can't all be a heart attack. Like I kind of feel that way about Harry Potter sometimes. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I read the Harry Potter books. I enjoy the Harry Potter books. But when you think about it, it was like it's every detail of that kid's life for seven years. Like I was never a wizard, but my oh, life. Oh well, well, then. Well, I can't tell. You can't speak up. Uh, so I guess I can't tell. Yeah, I'll take myself. But you know, like every detail wasn't incredible so that's what made it feel real and so like yeah sometimes batman had to deal with this lighter awful monster that is technically going to devour gotham city yes they're going to be eaten and killed if anything this was a much larger problem than say two-face <laughs> that's true yeah that was just banks they can't tax him and with that <laughs> we'll wrap this episode up thank you so much for coming on the show oh of course thank you so much for having me it's you're doing great the show is you. so Ooh, much fun. Thank you. I bring people in for the accolades. <laughs> well, you should, because really, it's it's a lot of fun. Thanks, man. Of course. Goodbye. Goodbye. Purdy. Well, there you go. We did it. Me, you, Philip, Joe, everybody else listening simultaneously from our homes. We all did it. Please rate and subscribe and comment on the show on iTunes and donate on patreon.com slash podcast. It helps keep things free and up and running and... Guys, I've got cool rewards available. Check them out. 
Follow at BTAS Podcast or at Hey Justin on Twitter for updates. Email me at BTASpodcast at gmail.com. Batman the Animated Podcast is hosted, edited, and produced by me, Justin Michael. Tom Smith created the show logo, and Casey Trela helped produce the theme song. Harry Chaskin is the voice of the podcast. Thanks to my guests, Joe R. Lansdale and Philip Matez. Last but never least, thank you to This American Life producer, Tori Malatia, who laid out a very clear description of what he wanted for his birthday party. One person brings money, no tricks, no surprises, no Batman. All right, Tori, I get it. You get enough Batman in your life through our podcast. I'll see you guys next episode in two weeks for another thrilling installment of Batman the Animated Podcast.